0: What's going on everybody welcome to time is a squared circle starring chris and billy or billy and chris depending on how you like your uh, top billing to go my name is chris and my name is billy and this week billy we are looking at the first show that uh, took place in new york that uh, we are looking at here wow that was a terrible (laughs) terrible segue let me start over hi everybody Um, so this week we're looking at the royal rumble
1: Yes, we're looking at the Royal Rumble 2008. Um, This will be the first show we talk about from the New York area. Uh, Obviously, last week's episode was uh, the first Florida show and the first show in general uh, for our podcast. But uh, this one is the Royal Rumble 2008 from Madison Square Garden in New York City. uh, January 27th, 2008 to be exact.
0: Yeah, so this is awesome because it's Madison Square Garden. And it is the old setup for the garden. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on the old setup versus like the current setup for the garden, because it is the most unique arena in uh, in in the country when it comes to like your ring setups um, and like how the cameras, how the hard camera is positioned and stuff. I don't think they use this setup anymore, and it's more the standard setup that they use for every single week. But for for the longest time, MSG had the hard cam pointed at the ramp itself.
1: Yeah, for the longest time, the way Madison Square Garden was set up was the entryways were always on the sides of the arena versus, you know, if you're looking at the arena long ways versus, you know, um, sideways. Uh, think, of, think of it this way. Long ways would be if you have like your Monday Night Raw, um, your big Tron. Mm hmm. Um, at the entranceway, that's kind of looking at it long ways. Whereas the garden, the way it was always set up, it, it they use these small kind of side tunnels for their entryways. And this went back to the old WrestleManias, and you know you think of some of the iconic pay per views that have happened at the Garden: uh, the Royal Rumble two thousand, SummerSlam, SummerSlam ninety eight, uh, SummerSlam ninety, Survivor Series ninety six, um, Rumble two thousand eight. Um, in fact, the only pay per view to ever happen at the Garden. Um actually the only two pay-per-views that happened at the Garden that had that longer setup similar to like a Raw or a Smackdown was uh, WrestleMania 20. They that had a, a bigger uh stage uh setup like a traditional wrestling arena and then Summer uh, Survivor Series 2011 which was the return of the Rock.
0: Okay, gotcha. And I be- did you go to that one? I can't I remember. I did.
1: I did. Yeah. Um Stolas and I bought tickets the last minute on StubHub because we were like we got to go, you know, the Rock's coming back and we were we were somewhat back into it at that point, but The Rock being back was definitely a, a selling point. And plus, we got to see the start of Punk's legendary 434 day reign.
0: Ah, oh, that was. Uh, did he beat Del Rio or Ryback on that one? Uh,
1: he beat Del Rio. Ryback, I believe, but Ryback was never champion.
0: You're right. You're absolutely right. Thank God. Yeah. Seriously. All right. So uh, this week we're doing uh, Royal Rumble 2008. Before we jump into it, I want to talk really quick about our super fun. Happy Day format, uh, which we changed at least twice during last week's debut episode. Um, And the idea was that we would do a random draw and then randomly review it. Well, that made for subpar radio um in that uh in that we didn't have a whole lot of notes on the event and we didn't have a whole lot of way to recap it for those that are listening so maybe you haven't seen royal rumble 2008 and you're you're kind of loosely connected to to those names hi dad um so 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 maybe you need a way to kind of connect to these a little bit better so billy why don't you explain the way we are kind of doing these episodes from here on out we're still going random draw because that is fun
1: Yes. Yes. It does add an element of of surprise, but the way we're going to do it to make for a better show content wise is at the end of each week, we are going to do the random draw live on the show. So at the end of today's episode, we will do a random draw to decide what we're going to talk about next week. And that gives us the opportunity to actually go back and watch these shows if they're available. Like I know Chris and I both watched the Royal Rumble 2008 yesterday to get a refresher on the events that happened. Like I remember being in the arena and I remember some key moments, but watching this show yesterday, there were some things I flat out just
0: didn't remember. Well, so, and that, that makes sense because there wasn't a whole. There, there was there were a lot of forgetful moments on the show.
1: Yeah, for a, a pay per view with a extremely memorable one of the more memorable raw rumble moments ever. Uh, a lot of the show is very unmemorable.
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, um, yeah. So tell a, me about you. Go ahead. No, sorry. go ahead.
1: <laughs> we are terrible at this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. Our it's our second week. We'll get better.
0: It's fine. So tell me a little bit about like the show itself. Cause you actually got to go. What was the, what was your connection to wrestling at that point? Uh, who did you go with all that fun jazz? Um, at this
1: point, I was still pretty religiously watching wrestling. Um, uh, I had my New York group of friends that we'd always watch wrestling together. We would go to our friend Dominic's house to watch the pay-per-views. Um, and th- those are some of my favorite memories watching uh, wrestling in my late teens and early twenties, because these guys were all into wrestling just as much as I was. We, we all went to high school together and Dominic especially was like one of the most passionate wrestling fans in the world. And mm-hmm. here are two things you need to know about the guys in this group. Um, Stolas, Stolis is, is, I like to call him like an everyman. He's relatable to everybody that meets him. He's super lovable. He's one of my favorite people in the world. He's extremely funny. He is very much like average wrestling fan for this show he's just happy to be there he's super stoked about it he's not angry about anything like he's not on reddit or twitter at this point rambling about how bad this show was or how good the show was he's just happy to be there coin however is a ball buster coin uh his, his, his name's mike but we call him Coin. okay okay coin is a ball buster he is he will see something that bothers you and dial it up to 11 Ugh. um <laughs> And what makes it better is he's extremely funny. He's he's a he's a great improv comedian, and he's just super. He's super good on his feet, so he can start riffing and just dial it up to eleven. It's insane. Dominic, however, he he can't tell when he's making himself an easy target. So the combination of coin and Dominic makes for a very very great comedy at Dominic's expense. Oh, and oh goodness. It, here are the two key things about Dominic that will be his downfall on this episode. He <laughs> he absolutely hates John Cena. Oh, no. And he hates being called a Mark.
0: Oh, like, no.
1: Violently hates being called a Mark. And Coin is aware of both of these things. Oh, dear.
0: Okay. That's all, all right. you
1: need to know about who I went to this show with. Um, now, I will say um, – we were all excited to go to the show, and being Madison Square Garden, uh, it being this not a smaller arena, like they they claim it was a sellout of twenty thousand. I still don't believe it, considering the wrestling capacity for the Garden is eighteen thousand.
0: I mean, yeah, they always inflate those numbers for WWE. Yeah.
1: But but being that it's New York City, it's a tri-state market, it's a huge market. Twenty thousand w- would sell out. Like if that was the actual capacity for this show, it would sell out very easily. And it did. So we were iffy about going cause we'd have to look at secondary market and we weren't sure, mm-hmm. but we ended up finding a decent batch of tickets. Now, Dominic and I at the time had, uh, had a, had a small falling out over a girl. Um, and I was like, you know what? I, As you do. Yeah. You know, guys in their early twenties, that's what happens. Um, and we, I was like, dude, we, this is stupid. Like, you know, because at that point it was long well and over uh, for all all included parties, so I was just like, you know what, let's let's squash this, let's let's move past it. And I knew how much of a wrestling fan he was, so I gave Dominic uh, it was it was a gift. Um, his birthday is also in in um, in January, so I was like, here you go, man, I'm taking you to the
0: Rumble. Oh, and it's like a like a little olive branch.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So and obviously he was super super appreciative, and that and that mended a lot of fences there. Um, and so once we had those tickets, we were like, all right, you know, we're getting the gang back together. We're going to go to the show. It's going to be an amazing time. And it's just going to shows with these guys. And we'll talk about this more because I went to ECW shows with these guys, um, WWE, uh, Raw, SmackDown, all sorts of shows with these guys. And you'll, you'll hear stories about Dominic, especially that just make him one of the, more interesting people to go to a wrestling show with because he gets so into it. And, and that is very apparent at this show. My, my one complaint is to, to get to this show on a, on the budget we were back in 2008, Mm -hmm. we had to sit separately. So Stolas and I sat together and coin and Dominic sat together. Oh no. And, Oh no. Yeah. I wish so badly I could have been near Dominic for the end of this event because, well, you'll hear, if you don't know the end of this, uh, this pay-per-view, you'll hear just how, how mad Dominic will get. Um, But yeah, so that's, yeah, that's a little bit of the backstory of, you know, how we got to the show and, and the, the, our mindsets going in.
0: As someone who's met Stolas in person. God, I hate you. I really do, because you have a tendency to meet the nicest people. And then when you play it back, you're like, oh, yeah, this is my friend Casey. He's literally the nicest man on the planet. Oh, this is my friend Scott. He's like literally the most creative man on the planet. I am both ecstatic and terrified. For the the point in your other podcast, Road to Revolution, My Journey with Linkin Park, where you go, so I went to this, I went to the show with my friend Chris, and then just hear the ensuing description. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what to do. I mean, like, we went to maybe three, we've gone to three, four concerts together. Um, Is it only that? I feel like we've been to more than that. I mean, we've been to three
1: Blink shows together, plus that A Day to Remember show. Three? Three? Uh, we yeah mm-hmm. oh. we did the the enema the, the state 20 year show yeah um, the the orlando fairground show
0: yep and then we did the, the um california show
1: yeah the yeah the uh, yeah the one with data okay. remember and uh, all american Rejects. plus we've done two nights at taking back sunday we've done 303 um slash emo night um yeah i think that might be it i'm trying i'm blanking out otherwise oh the the standalone data remember show in ocala
0: so, so it's a, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's one thing that I would like to ask before we get going and it involves like you have, I have gone to wrestling shows alone uh, once or twice with someone that wasn't you and then almost exclusively with you. What's it, what's your, dy- what's the dynamic like when you go to a wrestling show with different people and how does that like affect your Enjoyment of the event is your enjoyment of the of the event like morphed more so by the people around you morphed more so by the event itself or do you know what I' you know what I'm trying to get at?
1: Yeah, um, I think it's a mix of the event itself and who I go with. Like obviously, when you and I go to wrestling shows together, we are like the purest form of ourselves, like yeah, ch- chanting, being super excited, marking out, losing our minds over. Kenny Omega winning the United States Championship or, yes! you know, you know, all, all sorts of stuff like that versus, um, if I go with, you know, there, there was a group I was going to uh, NXT at full sale with for a while that I was really good friends with some of them. And some of them were like their girlfriends or people they were bringing with them. So I didn't know everybody in the group. So the, you know, those times were still really fun, but, it's different and it's the same thing like if i go to a show with stolas like me and stolas get into the show the same way you and i get into the show yeah so it it really depends on how i am with that person and it's also the show itself like if i'm super excited about the show it doesn't matter if i'm there by myself with someone i don't know with someone i know super well like i'm going to be super duper into it
0: yeah, do you do you ever get that self-consciousness? Like I remember the first couple shows we got into. Like do you, do you ever get that level of of self-consciousness of like uh like oh god, I hope he doesn't think I'm being like obnoxious and chanting too much. I thought that a- the first couple times obviously we settled into a groove and we kind of know each other now, but like Yeah. It like when you you ever think about like shit, that was a lot of chanting I just did. You know what's funny? I've
1: never thought of it regarding the people that i go with i think about it at the kind of event or where the event is so like what having gone to full sale so much it's an extremely comfortable environment where everybody Mm. is a regular pretty much and and so everyone is super fluid and comfortable with chanting and and just the energy in the crowd is always super high like the nxt and unique chance yes and the nxt crowd gets a lot of crap over the years because they get a bit too into themselves and the chance become too much, which I agree with hundred percent. Like there are times when mm-hmm. it becomes too much, but to that point, like they're super comfortable being that crowd versus I remember going to something like, um, like all out, like the Chicago crowd is a big crowd. But oh, I'm like, we've never been new or all in, not all out. Uh, we have not been to an all out yet. Um,
0: Tony <laughs> uh, if you're listening. Hi.
1: <laughs> it's in a couple of weeks hey you know uh if, if you let me sit in the balcony i will go uh yep <laughs> um but like with that like that's a, it's a city i've never been to wrestling in before it's a crowd i know nobody except for you david arquette who's a few rows behind <laughs> us and, and, and jensen carp and john mayer who are like 20 feet away from us otherwise shout I don't out know. jensen Carp. <laughs> on the off chance he ever hears this podcast uh we're, we're big fans
0: but I, I, lo- I, he loves you from the he loves you from life and and you're rapping. I love you from the Kevin and Bean show.
1: <laughs> and I know it's not me, but uh, his book was dedicated to uh, someone named Billy, and there's no clarification as to who. So I I will always
0: think it's me. You like to take credit for it.
1: I do, um, especially I listened to the audiobook version of it earlier in uh, in the year and. You know, he, he says he's like, a, um, I forget the exact wording, but he's like, yeah, this one's out to Billy, where uh, wherever you are, or something like that. And I'm like, I'm I'm so
0: sold, it's me. Like, he doesn't know I exist, <laughs> but I'm so sold, it's me. I love it. All right, so let's get into the show, man. I'm, yeah. I'm super stoked for this. Uh, so first question I have for you is, was there a dark match, or does it just jump right into the show? And are there dark matches uh, traditionally in WWE pay-per-views?
1: Um, typically there's no dark match. Um, if there is anything, it's like a, uh, they used to do a thing called the free for all, mm-hmm. which was a 30 minute pre-show aired for free on the pay-per-view channel that was airing the pay-per-view. So it was kind of like a, like the, the kickoff show that they yeah, do it's now they on, the on, show now. Yeah. yeah. But it used to be like, you could go to that pay-per-view channel and you didn't have to order it. It would just be on, but it would say, you oh, know, cool. if you, if you want to watch this pay-per-view order now and you know, it'll just continue from what you're watching. Um, I'm trying to remember, I don't remember there being a match before. Um, I could be wrong, but I, 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 that's the one thing I didn't look up beforehand. Like, was there anything else taped? I know sometimes they would tape like Sunday night heat or, Oh yeah. Or something, but I don't,
0: they used I don't to have velocity wasn't velocity at all? velocity was on there
1: i don't remember when they taped half these things anymore but they had velocity sunday night heat superstars main event um shotgun saturday night like they had all sorts of shows
0: do you do you are you typically a cuz I, I i don't think i am with wrestling shows but i am with like sporting events are you a are you a foodie at at these kind of shows um he asked no. Having been to fifty freaking shows with him, I don't understand why I'm interviewing you right now. It doesn't make any freaking sense. Um, it depends. On I almost the said fucking, and then I realized my dad probably be listening, and now I just don't care. It's, <laughs> <laughs> um, it depends on
1: the venue. It really does. Um, like I remember, especially at the Garden. There's always stuff at the Garden. I'm excited to eat. Like, and it's not like specialty food the Garden has, but like getting a pretzel and like a lemon snapple at that's square garden was always like so delicious to me and the pretzel was never like fresh it was like a couple of hours old but like i don't know man like that mix of like lemon iced tea snapple and that pretzel were so good but the garden also has really good chicken tenders
0: (laughs) okay that's fair and and real quick before we get jump in i know I, i know we need to jump in but like your thoughts on the garden Like I've been there once and it was with you and it was uh, it was. It's pretty damn breathtaking, if I do say so myself, like I'm a huge fan of Tampa sports. I I love everything that the 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 Tampa Bay Lightning and owner Jeff Vinnick have done to Amelie Arena. Um, I think it's a beautiful venue. But when you compare it to MSG, which is like the crossroads of. Are a beautiful architecture and like art in architecture, plus being kind of a gladi- gladi- gladiatorial gladiatorial arena. It's a coliseum. Um, yeah,
1: it's it's a very circular arena. It,
0: it is beautiful. I don't think there's anything like it. There's nothing like it on the planet. It's absolutely special. You don't have to be a fan of the Rangers or the Knicks or the whoever plays there to appreciate how incredible of a building it is
1: absolutely and i i i'm you know, growing up in new york i was very spoiled and lucky with that because my first wrestling show ever was at the garden it was a house show in 1996 um which we'll talk about at some Delevant
0: point get to eventually <laughs> you
1: know could be next week could be you know six months from now who knows but yeah my first wrestling show was at the garden this was uh i looked it up the rumble 2008 was my 10th wrestling show at the garden Wow, um, which I think I ended up as of current day. I've been to thirteen or fourteen shows at the garden. So just a handful more after this. Um for the longest time, WWE didn't run shows at the garden because aside from house shows because it cost too much for the TV rights. right. Um, so they, they ran a lot of shows in Nassau Coliseum and the Izod Center in New Jersey, and then more recently the Barclays Center in Brooklyn because it was it was right next to the Manhattan, and it was super it was so much cheaper to run. Mm-hmm. um but i you know and garden has been home to a lot of great things not just wrestling for me like i've seen lincoln park there i've seen uh WWE shows new japan shows um uh, a bunch of great comedy shows between the arena and the theater um
0: didn't you see dane cook there i saw dane cook there a couple of times yeah okay uh, i just wanted to make sure we got that out into the ether
1: yeah, yeah, no. I, uh, now, I, I mean, I, I never hit it, but I uh, never told anybody it directly either. Um, <laughs> yeah, saw, saw, saw Dade Cook there a few times. Um, I, I Garden's been great for a ton of things. I saw the police there in 2007, which was awesome.
0: Uh, so, do you it, have fun? Do you have fun taking people there that have never been to the garden before? Like when I, when you and I went for NJPW, and we'll we'll get to it on that specific episode. But I was blown away. Like it's it's it was absolute magic.
1: Well, that's the thing. I've never, growing up there, I don't know if I've ever taken somebody there that's never been there before. Mm. Um, you know, because most time we're, when I lived up in New York, I think the only two times I've been to the Garden since I moved to Florida were, um, uh, I went to a WWE house show with uh, my buddy Jay back in 2016. And then I, I Jay. went. Uh, Jay's, <laughs> Jay's great. <laughs> Jay's so great. <laughs> we, we had such a great time at that show. Uh, chicken tenders were abound.
0: Oh, goodness. Um
1: And then, uh, you know, the New Japan uh, Supercard show last year. Um, But that's it. I I don't think I've been to any other garden shows uh, since, uh, you know, during my time in Florida besides those two. So... I, you're the only person I think I've taken there for the first time. Uh, anyone else were people oh, okay. that grew up in New York and either had gone to shows or, I mean, because it's the home of the Rangers and home of the Knicks and it's such mm-hmm. a big arena for concerts and, and uh, wrestling and things like that. Like people have been there a million times for a million different things. So I think you're the only person I've taken there for the first time.
0: Yeah. And it was, it was a magical experience and it's also an office building. Nobody realizes yeah. that it's an office building. Like it's a giant, like, well, it's not giant cause it's the middle of New York, but it is a, small to medium sized skyscraper. And then behind it, there is uh, an arena. <laughs> like, yeah. like what the hell? Yeah. It's great.
1: And and it's so weird because it's this building that houses a million different things. You have the garden, you have the theater at Madison square garden, you have an office building attached to it. There used to be a bookstore on the corner of it called borders. Now it's something else. Um, which fun fact, uh, I don't know if anyone listening or you, even you, Chris are familiar with an author named Tucker max. Mm-mm. He was a blogger in like the late two thousand, uh, the yeah, the, maybe like two thousand and five and onward that area, um, mm-hmm. and he was like that that alpha male blogger, like him and guys like Maddox and stuff like that. Um, they wrote, you know, and it was super guy machismo, stupid stuff. And he wrote a bunch of books, and we went to a book signing of his in like 2008 or nine or something, and we met him there. But I don't even know if anyone remembers Tucker Max anymore. But, um, but yeah, that bookstore was there. We went went there a bunch. I'd buy movies and books there, and did that signing and stuff. And but like underneath there is Penn Station, like a oh, giant yeah. a giant hub uh, for public trans- transport in New York. There's the Long Island Railroad under there. There's tons of just standard MTA uh, subway uh, lines under there. So, it, and and there's also I think. Is there another form under there? There might be another train platform. Uh, might be Amtrak. I think has some train tracks under there. I don't even remember. But like that whole building is this monster of of options. You know, it, it's not just an arena.
0: Yeah, it, it's so cool that like the first time we went to MSG, we were there for uh, SummerSlam, which was at the Barclay Center, and I was like, I. I really want to see MSG for for tourist reasons, right? Because it's because it's MSG, and we I, we I can't remember if we walked there directly or if we took the subway. But that subway station literally gets right out right at the entrance. Like it's on the same side of the street. You don't have to cross the sidewalk. Like it it literally right there. It's like the sign for MSG is standing above the stairs that lead up from the station. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool, and I cannot wait. Future plug for a future episode, but I cannot wait to talk about my tourist habits um, in the middle of New York. Um, but let's get into the show because we've already, you know, loved MSG enough as it, enough as it is. Where were you sitting for the show?
1: Um, I don't remember the exact section. I do not have the ticket for this anymore, so I'm not 100% sure. I know we were in the upper bowl somewhere.
0: Can um, you find yourself in video?
1: Um, I, I can't find me specifically, but based on my memory of how the show looked, I if you're facing if you're the hard camera and you're facing the entrance way, we are up and to the left.
0: Up and to the left. <laughs> up and to the left. So like That's our, all I our, can think about.
1: So our view would actually be if if it was a standard wrestling arena, we would mm-hmm. be looking straight on at the 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 ramp, but like from a slightly left angle.
0: Okay, gotcha. So you would always see the backs of everybody that were coming in. Um, no, like we we had a we had a side view of the entryway. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha.
1: so good, good seats. Yeah, I mean the garden is really there's nowhere bad in there. Like even if you're in the upper up, upper 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 deck, like the garden is not a huge huge venue. I mean, it's it huge, but it's not like it's not like Barclays Center. Like when we sat for SummerSlam at the Barclays, we were like in the heavens for that. Yeah, where yeah, no, we were. Whereas like the equivalent of that seat in the garden is does not feel that high or steep. So it's it, it, there's really no bad seat at the garden. I, I've sat in the, you know, on the floor at the garden. I've sat in the upper deck. I've sat in the middle. Like there's nowhere bad there. That's awesome.
0: Cool. Yeah. So uh, the show opens and uh, we are quickly uh, informed by Michael Cole, who that uh, it is the first Royal Rumble in high definition. Uh, and we go right into it. Michael Cole is on commentary along with Jonathan Coachman, uh, future of ESPN, future Lee, future Lee uh, of ESPN at the time. Um, he was still working for WWE at the time, but Cole's on commentary followed by Coach. This was the Raw crew, I believe, at the time. Yes, I yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and then we get to see baby-faced Justin Roberts, who makes me as happy as all things get out, Justin Roberts, the ring announcer. And I just looked at him and I went, you're an AEW now. Like I looked at him like it was like a naughty thing. Like you're not there anymore. Well, I, I,
1: that was the one thing watching the show. I'm looking at this. I'm like, you're gone. You're an AEW. You're gone. You're an AEW. Like so many people at this show are not with the company anymore. Are an AEW or elsewhere. Like it's insane. Or have different hair. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Like God. All right, so match number one. uh, Justin Roberts then introduces uh, match number one, which has some stipulations to it. It's Ric Flair versus MVP in a career-threatening match. Um, So this is in the middle of Ric Flair's retirement storyline, where if he loses literally any match, he is retired. Period. And so everybody wants their shot at uh, Ric Flair. And in this match, we get Mon. Montel Montel, is it his real name
1: um I don't know if it's real if it's his real name but it is Montel Vontavius Porter
0: got it so MVP uh the current U.S. champion I was actually really really surprised that this was not for the U.S. championship
1: well that that telegraphed the finish I mean granted you you expected flair to win this match anyway um but yeah once 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 the title was not on the line you knew 100 percent that flair was going to win
0: Yeah. And so uh, Ric Flair obviously comes out first. You know, the woo, the robe and the crowd. The crowd still loves Ric Flair to like an undying degree. Like the dude is very clearly past his prime. The match itself is kind of sloppy. Like it doesn't matter. Like it's it's weird because it, it feels like and I don't know how you feel about this, but it feels like like as you watched it, you were sitting there going like, yeah, it doesn't matter that he's not as good as he used to be it, but he's put in so much, he's given so much to the business that like, he's still phenomenal. Like it it doesn't matter what he does. He's still great.
1: Yeah. And like, and yeah, this match was a complete textbook fine match. Like, Oh yeah. No, nothing special or, or incredible about it, but it told a decent enough story. It was an obvious stepping stone to get flair to the HBK match at mania. Um, but to your point about the crowd being into it, the MSG crowd, and you'll see this throughout the show, they are always hot for stuff they love. And they love yeah. flair. The woos in Madison Square Garden, they sounded great on video, but oh my God, in the arena, it—it it, they're deafening. Like the one thing the MSG crowd loves more than themselves are, are wooing at any given moment. <laughs>
0: I love that so much. So Flair comes out. He gives a he gives a promo, a uh, really quick promo talking about how much he loves being at Madison Square Garden. Uh, very babyface promo, very general promo. Thanks, crowd. Uh, thanks to the crowd uh, for their respect over the years. He's then cut off by MVP, who then comes out and MVP has Pyro, which for the U.S. champion. R- do you remember Pyro? Pyro was I, fun. I mean,
1: at this point, everybody had Pyro and it was awesome.
0: Yeah, it yeah. is dope. But should note it, that Craig Robinson.
1: No
0: oh, yeah. <laughs> Spared no expense. Seriously. Um, <laughs> should note that Craig Robinson is the ref for this, who is. Charles uh, Robinson. Oh, Craig Robinson's the comedian.
1: Yes. Uh, Daryl from The Office was not the referee for this match. <laughs> as amazing as that would be.
0: <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to leave it in my notes. I don't even want to fix it. Uh, <laughs> so, Charles Robinson. Um arguably one of I think one of my I think behind uh Girl Hebner, I think uh I think Charles Robinson is my favorite ref. He's always got great uh facial reactions. He he he's always got great hair and he always seems like a just a genuine, genuine dude.
1: And and I, I love uh, Minnie Natch because he is a giant horror movie fan. Like he has a massive horror movie collection
0: well it's not just that but he's also a massive rick flair fan like isn't that what got him he was the ref for his retirement match was he not i think so yeah as like a as like a thank you um craig, uh, charles robinson not craig um <laughs> take your panties off um charles robinson an amazing ref by all accounts good dude um and a huge fan of rick flair who loved him back um so uh match starts off and Flair's charisma is just stupid. Like like I don't think anybody could get more like the matches uh you got some early taunts uh by MVP, collar and elbow tie up. Uh I, I don't think that anybody could get more out of shoulder tackles and chops than Rick Flair could. Yeah. Like it was just is dumb is dumb. Like how very little he did. The first near falls don't come until MVP hits a knee strike and a neck breaker, but it didn't matter. And for whatever reason, even though it seemed like 100% telegraphed, the crowd was in this match.
1: Well, I think part of that is two things. One, they love flair. And two, it's the first match of the Royal Rumble, which if you think like. Think of the, the, the other Rumble that you and I went to in 2016. The opening match was uh, Dean Ambrose versus Kevin Owens for the Intercontinental Championship, which was a great match and a great way to kick off that show. But even if it wasn't, like we were all just pumped to be there for the Rumble.
0: There's something there's absolutely something special about the Royal Rumble. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Flair, uh, Flair gets behind early. He gets a, he does attempt to come back. Uh, he attempts the figure four twice early, which does set the stage for some good storytelling of Flair's trying to lock in the figure four cause he knows he's going to win with it. Um, he's gassed really early, about six minutes in, you can tell Flair's gone. Um, MVP hits a haluva kick, uh, followed by, uh, a kick out by Flair, Uh, Actually, no, there was no kick out by Flair. This was really, really good. So MVP hits the Huluva kick, so uh, a big boot into the corner. Flair falls down. He's right adjacent to the ropes, um, and MVP goes for the cover. Charles Robinson counts the three. However, at about, what, one and a half? Like, it was early. Um, Flair actually gets his foot on the rope, which means the count's canceled because he got to the ropes. Yeah. Um, However... Something that's really interesting that I don't think is done at all anymore is the ref doesn't catch it. So Charles Robinson counts the three. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. They, they, this is something they definitely don't do anymore. I love this as a, a heat generator. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you get, you get the heel thinking he won and, and Flair doesn't get up immediately either. Like his foot is still just sitting on the rope for a second.
0: <laughs> oh, his flop is perfection. Yeah. He, he can still flop with the yeah
1: best of them. um so i i really like this idea it works pretty well i i love that it's not overdone either anymore but i i do wish it would pop up a bit more than it does now because it is a good tactic
0: the one thing that i do have to give uh the the commentary cream team uh credit not the commentary cream they were cottage cheese um <laughs> one thing that i have to give the commentary team credit for is that cole does an extremely good job of recapping the uh, decision by charles robinson yeah they they covered for it well and this is a situation where you have to like intentionally cover for it because obviously this was all this was all worked out but i i thought it was i actually thought in this instance it was extremely well done as a means of explaining to the viewers because you're absolutely right it's a good heat generator but at the exact same time it kills any and all momentum because one person thinks the matches or thinks air quotes the the match is over, right? So like they stop what they're doing. Like it, it kind of kill. It does kind of intentionally kill the pacing.
1: Yeah, which which also I mean t- to your point, um, saying Flair was a bit gassed at this point. It also just may buy Flair a minute to to re- regen a little.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, once the match does get restarted, uh, MVP hits a very nice superplex on Flair. Uh, Flair would fall at literally fall out of a Samoan drop attempt. There's a couple of pen attempts. They all look kind of rough. Um, MVP finally goes for the playmaker. However, Flair reverses. I thought this was an awesome reversal. Um, Flair reverses it into a figure four and gets the win at seven minutes and 50 seconds. Overall, it's a fine match. It was a fine. It was a fine match. It was better than what it was mechanically because of Ric Flair
1: yeah and I, and I will say that uh rick flair's figure four at 59 years old is better than most figure fours at for any young person on the roster right now
0: yeah oh dude he, well i mean it's it wasn't his figure four right like it it came before him
1: oh yeah he didn't invent it but like just he he did it so beautifully oh 100 like even did at near have... 60 years old it's still fantastic
0: Did he have a finisher like a like a move based finisher or was it always just the figure four? I don't Now that I think about it. I'm thinking of Ric Flair and I think of chops and I think of the figure four.
1: Yeah, I don't think he had a set uh, like a move based finish. Yeah, it was almost always the figure four,
0: which is cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Match, Match gets two stars from Meltzer. I say that's a perfect length and a decent score.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good opener, too. It's, you know, it's it's short. It's it's harmless it's you know it's it's it is what it is i think it's a it's a good way to open the show the fans were into it regardless of how good or bad it was so
0: standing over flair after the match did you did you know or did you like how much like i guess intentional effort did you take to try to soak in the moment and and say hey this is probably the last time i'm gonna see rick flair
1: um i didn't know it would be the last time i ever saw him wrestle um, actually just watching the show yesterday realized it was the last, uh, I, you know, I, it was the last time I'd ever seen him wrestle at Madison square garden, mm. um, which was really cool. Um, cause I'd, I'd seen him wrestle at the garden once before, I think at WrestleMania 20, um, it was him and I forget what him he was in. We'll, <laughs> we'll get there when we talk about the WrestleMania 20 show, but, uh, yeah, I know I saw him at WrestleMania 20. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't know it'd be the last time seeing him wrestle. I didn't know it'd be his last match at the garden, but it definitely was a, uh, it was, it was definitely cool seeing him there.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and at the end of the day, you can say you saw a Ric Flair match, which is dope.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, and yeah, you know, I'm happy. I said, I was thinking about that yesterday. I don't think I've ever seen a Hogan match, which doesn't mean much anymore, but, um, it I would don't. have been
0: cool to check that off. Like yeah. Hogan,
1: Flair, rock. I, I, Austin? I, I, I've seen Austin. Oh, I nice. saw I saw Austin versus Brett won. What? Yeah, Survivor Series 96, the very Oh, bit. we
0: we going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen Austin a couple of times. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, so we so we lead out of the match into a promo segment uh Hornswoggle and Mr. McMander backstage. Uh. Yeah. Hornswoggle, uh for those who don't know, is a uh a a little person mm-hmm. um who was a professional wrestler. He was still,
1: still is. He he doesn't wrestle for WWE, but he's um he wrestled as most recent as Talk Shop
0: A Mania. I have to watch that show. I heard that show is great and a heard, lot of fun. It's like it's 90 minutes. It's a it's a breeze oh, really? to get through. It's super fun. We should grab it and watch it. Um and that, that show looks like so much fun. But in this instance, he um he had a leprechaun gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um and it, can you please explain to me the the other half of this and why this is important?
1: Um, yeah, they for some reason the story with Hornswoggle at this point was that he was Vince McMahon's illegitimate son. I, I yeah i I don't understand it. I don't remember the reasons why this story happened or more detail about it. But it was it was uh, for lack of a better word, dumb. um it was just terrible um and like watching watching this segment unfold in in the year 2020 um is interesting because how far have we come that we're not using little people as just leprechaun sidekick characters anymore
0: It, it like like for all the crap in the world today there are genuine moments where you're like all right, it's been twelve. Th- this is this is only twelve years ago. Like, yeah. a, a lot of people, a lot of people are like, "Man, that was twelve years ago. That was a long time." And I'm like, "Yeah, but do you see what happened on this show? Like, we've 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 had a lot of really good progress." So anyway, in the segment itself, Hornswoggle is a, is dressed up as a leprechaun, um, and he is essentially like a chihuahua. Um, uh, Vince is is basically trying to give him a pep talk because Hornswoggle will be in the Royal Rumble a little bit later um hornswoggle had a partner uh in ter- uh they called him his protector uh and that was fit finley mm-hmm. uh at the time fit finley is a full-sized man who was of scottish descent uh and irish irish descent and uh he was essentially just hornswoggle's protector during all of this and uh so vince is basically trying to get Hornswoggle to turn. He talks about the luck of the Irish and how you can't trust anybody, which may include Finley. Finley comes in. Vince uh, then proceeds to kind of taunt him. But then Swoggle uh, proceeds to jump onto Finley like he's about to hump his leg. Yep. My my notes here say I hated this.
1: <laughs> yeah, this, this was not a good segment. Um, and the one thing I'm thankful about having been in the arena for was we didn't pay a lot of attention to the the things that were on the screen. That's a good uh, point. So, and I, at some points, I don't think we could hear a lot of this too. So. Oh, that's good. So you know, always, we, we, we have, lucked out.
0: <laughs> they always have challenges with, with broadcasting the audio into the arena for those backstage segments.
1: Yeah. Which is, which is fine in this case.
0: Uh, we have a short interlude before the me- next match, where Jr. and King, who we believe are the SmackDown crew, Actually,
1: um, I, I, now that I think about it, I think it's vice versa. I think Jr. and King are the Raw crew, and Cole and Coachman are the SmackDown crew, and Taz and Michael Cole are the ECW crew. Joey, yes, Taz and Joey Styles, yeah, are the um, ECW crew.
0: So Jr. and King introduce Mike Adamley as a correspondent for the WWE at the time, they were still introducing him. Uh, look, I got a soft spot for Mike Adamley. I grew up watching American Gladiators. There are still times I will throw on the American Gladiators channel on Pluto TV. Yeah, M- Mike Adamley, he was, he played at the NFL. I want to say, I, I don't know who he played for. I don't even want to try to guess. But he, <laughs> uh, he was extremely successful on American Gladiators. Um, and he was a fantastic play-by-play commentator on american gladiators and the wwe thought hey you know what we should do hire that guy and it just all went wrong in every possible way
1: yeah he he was not good at his wwe role and this was i believe his first night and his first night was rough now when you watch it on the wwe network it's better than it actually was
0: yeah because i was waiting uh so mike adamley i believe in his very first introductory segment called matt hardy matt harvey but when Uh, watching it
1: it was it was it was jeff it's actually in, in, in in the segment later on right before the jeff versus randy orton match for the wwe title um they they cut it out or they edited the the audio because on the the original show he says uh you know, and it's uh, speaking of people who are anticipating the match, Jeff Harvey, uh, Hardy, and they, so I, they they cut the audio. It sounds like that it just flows from it. Just it's, it's he just says Jeff Hardy now.
0: Got it. But it's 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 bad. It's one of those things that like he, he, it's one of those things where you feel bad for him. Like it's not it's not a negative. It's not like you dislike the guy for it. You're just like ooh. Um, cause he was part of our childhood. American gladiators was a big freaking deal.
1: Well, and that's the weird thing too. Like they're like, he's a former, uh, NFL player and he did this and this, and they don't mention him on American gladiators at all. Like, how do you bring Mike Adamley on your show? And American gladiators, uh, gladiators is not your selling point.
0: And that's the weird thing, too, is it's like, are they trying to distance themselves from that? It's not like you, you realize wrestling is the fake part about that. American Gladiators was, even though it was a game show, was real. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, but I, I'm even fairly certain that there are certain wrestlers who were gladiators at some point.
0: Yes, there were. Um, oh, now I got to look it up. I, oh, I don't want to look it up, <laughs> but I want to look it up. OK, um, so. uh <sighs> Oh, I, I will look it up, but I have a new mechanical keyboard, so it's very loud. I will type the next time Billy needs to ramble. (laughs) So, uh, um, Mike basically trying to hype up the crowd. Did you hear any of it in the, in the arena during his Um, intro?
1: Yes, he, that we could hear it was a live mic in the arena, so that we could
0: hear. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, so that leads right into the video package for JBL versus Jericho match number two on the card. Uh, The opening video uh, basically sets up the story where it looks like Chris Jericho was about to win the WWE championship from Randy Orton. Mm -hmm. However, for some weird reason, JBL stormed into the ring and uh, disqualified Jericho. Uh, JBL was apparently trying to get revenge for a previous pushing incident because JBL is petty. Um, However, the pushing incident was actually instigated by Orton. Um, there's a lot of confusion. It was dumb. Uh, that's all you need to know. And it ended with uh, JBL trying to hang Jericho with a microphone cord. And I got to tell you, Billy, this was hard to watch. Just the opening video was hard to watch. Not the match.
1: Yeah. Um, one thing I, I noticed just watching the uh, the, the just the video, and then not even getting to the match yet. Um, you know, I'm so used to Jericho being this super super heel for the past couple of years starting from his his new japan run through his current AEW stuff so it's it's weird to see him be the the baby face in this feud like it's so strange to see that um but it's also weird to see what uh a lot of us have deemed uh john Bon jericho um yeah you know
0: we're so used to look a lot like Bon, John Bon Jovi, yeah,
1: uh, with the short hair and everything, but and and he was an interesting form of babyface too because like he didn't, you know, he for, was like
0: a pissed off babyface.
1: Yeah, and and for someone who's as great on the mic as Jericho, he didn't talk a lot in this feud.
0: Um, quick aside, when you performed, or sorry, when you opened, uh. For for Jericho, were you opening for John Bon Jericho, or were you opening for Long Hair Jericho?
1: That was Long Hair. That was in uh, April of two thousand and three. Okay, so cool. He had long hair at the time.
0: Gotcha. Um, yeah, no, didn't talk a lot. And and was this immediately before or immediately after the Shawn Michaels uh, bit where Absolutely. he was he was corporate Jericho? He was pissed off. He was he was his best heel work, in my opinion.
1: I believe this was before. I think that was this the upcoming summer.
0: Gotcha. Cool. So the match starts um and before the match even starts like Break the Walls is still like the best theme. It's it's, it's like it's like top 5. I I mean I don't want to try to actually rank them right now, but yeah. like <laughs> Jericho's theme is so good. Well, it's not even so good. Not even his theme. His whole
1: entrance is just it's it, it's an all-timer. Like the the way he's reinvented it with the the save us and the the code map uh, the code breaker and mm-hmm. you know the every you know Y two J and every version of this, which is actually interesting because um the day today we are recording this was the t- is the twenty first anniversary of Chris Jericho's WWF debut when we fully when we finally the met
0: countdown to millennium
1: yeah when we met what that countdown was and that's when the Jer- uh, jericho uh interrupted the rock on monday night raw
0: that's awesome that is yeah. so but but like yeah i completely agree with you and and as someone who loves aew right now and who loves fozzy um in terms of that one song <laughs> uh like like he's it's good. Like I still love his theme to this day. The fact that everybody in the crowd sings it to this day, but how can you not like love break the walls? It's so good. Was that well, Jack Johnson?
1: Uh Jim Johnson. Jim Johnson. Was
0: that Jim yeah. Johnson?
1: <laughs> yes, it was. He did almost all of the WWF slash WWE themes during that time period. Um, Oh, it's when I'm looking at my notes right now and the juxtaposition between note number two and note number three is probably my favorite thing in this whole episode. Um, note number one, uh, number two is Jericho's WWE entrance is an all timer. Note number three, I hate JBL so much.
0: And that is quite literally my, my note is break the walls is still one of the best all time themes. JBL's theme is dog shit.
1: Well, mine's not even the, the, the theme. I just hate JBL. <laughs>
0: It's not great. It's, he's, it's, he's like he's he's not good. Uh, he's not fun. He's
1: the only bad. time I ever liked him was when he was in the APA because him and him and Farouk were uh were a good team. But man, I I I hate the character. I don't think he's good in the ring. I just don't like JBL in any way, shape, or form.
0: My notes say that he has the body of a tall mother. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's like. He's just i it, and this match unfortunately had a very much of a like a big guy little guy match layout, so starts off with j b l beating the crap out of jericho j uh Jericho escapes and counters with all caps agility um, like <laughs> like that's the only way the big guy can 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 falter is because the little guy has agility and like there there were a ton of jericho kicks. Um, to try to get J to basically bring JBL down to size and kind of lock him into the walls. However, JBL got the ropes, um, Jericho baseball slides out of the ring, which, uh, looked awesome. So JBL, uh, after he got the ropes, rolls out of the ring, walks around. And as he goes to walk around, uh, Jericho does a baseball slide out of the ring and it honestly looked dope. Yeah. Um, It looked great. Yeah, Uh, he then proceeds to expose the barricade, which had like a a wrapping on the top, which was weird. Um, And then he throws JBL into it. Uh, That was cool. They have a little bit more back and forth that eventually goes back into the ring. And then, honestly, I think the coolest move in the match happened, which Jericho goes for something. Maybe it was the code breaker. I don't know. But because he's so small and because JBL is so tall um jbl picks jericho up and literally vaults him into the air and jericho lands neck first if that's even a thing into the top rope uh and and it looked amazing it it honestly looked incredible because jericho got so much air
1: oh my god he had serious air time on that and he made it look so great
0: and jbl follows it up with uh two massive clotheslines from hell, which looks like a combination between the Stan Hansen clothesline and the rainmaker from Kazuchika Okada. However, badly. um,
1: I'm I'm, going to disagree. I, if, if JBL does one thing, right, it's the clothesline from hell. Uh, it's, it's when, when he does it right, man, that clothesline is a brutal, brutal move. Um, I don't like, I don't like the guy, but he, that, that move does, does hit more than it misses.
0: If to me it just didn't it didn't seem to have as much form as the as the rainmaker. Uh, it's definitely more akin to a Stan Henson clothesline. Yeah. Um. Obviously, it's it's way different than rainmaker because the rainmaker has a setup to it. Yeah. It has the wrist control, but
1: see, the thing that bugs me about the clothesline from hell is. Why is that JBL's finisher? I get why it was Bradshaw's finisher in the APA because they, they were part of the the ministry and they were the acolytes and they were under the uh, the power of the Undertaker. But why is billionaire uh, oil tycoon JBL? Why is the clothesline from hell his finisher? Or at least, point. Or at least rename it. Why not? You know the
0: were they meant to be the same person? Was Bradshaw and JBL meant to be the same person
1: um, that I don't remember? I mean, I mean, Bradshaw's his name, so it's almost like an evolution of the same person or character. So, yeah, I um, guess
0: I, that was I the other know. thing I was going to ask you about. I thought the clothesline from hell was his finisher. I, I like that. That's how he won matches. And he hits two in a row on Jericho and nothing happens.
1: Yeah, part of my problem with this match, and I love Jericho. Anybody who knows me knows I love Jericho. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Um, but, man, this match ain't great. Um, no. Uh, and I, I do blame JBL. There's just no flow to it. He's like a, a vacuum for charisma. like.
0: And, and I feel like Jericho, he doesn't have a whole lot of offense that he can use on JBL. like Because JBL's not great at selling. So, like, Jericho's moves are, like, pushes and very, very short clotheslines. Yeah. 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 And, and and at one point during the match, I don't know if you saw this or if you felt this during the the WWE uh network watch, but at the middle in the middle of the match just out of nowhere, the crowd starts booing vapidly. And yeah. I'm like what are they dealing with? It's clearly not the match.
1: I don't remember. I tried to remember what that was for because like it was it was Jericho had just got some offense in. It was right before he hit the lion salt. And mm-hmm. I don't remember why they were booing because he he hits the lion salt and the crowd cheers. So whatever the boos were, it was for something in the arena. Um, It may have been because JBL because Jericho is already bloodied at this point, right?
0: Uh, He was about to be.
1: Yeah. Okay. I I, I cannot remember why those boos happened then. I I have no idea. Um,
0: Jericho posts himself and uh, does end up blading uh, and he starts bleeding pretty darn badly. Yeah. Yeah. and I don't remember too many instances where Jericho's bled. Uh, he doesn't uh, seem like a frequent blader.
1: No, he's bled a couple here and there. Obviously he's he's bled in, in AEW and a little bit here and there, but um yeah, he's he, you know, he's no Ric Flair.
0: No, he's no he's no Ric Flair at all. <laughs> um match spills outside of the ring, and then Jericho apparently just gets pissed and throws a chair at JBL.
1: Yeah, and um two two things about that. One, I DQ am, finish. So yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, Bradshaw wins by disqualification. Um, but two things about that. One, I do not miss unprotected chair shots to the head. Um, I think they they are just such a, a negative part of the industry and it leads to so many worse things down the line. That being said, man, watching JBL take that headshot just felt so good. <laughs> uh, it, for me, not him. I imagine it felt horrible for him. But it uh, yeah. felt real good for me back in 2008 and in 2020 um that's good but i man i i'm a firm believer um that pay-per-view ma- pay-per-view matches should not end in a disqualification or a count out they should have a legit finish
0: no i agree with that as well um yeah.
1: the only exception I, i'll give you is is something like um you know a time limit draw if it if it furthers the story like you know okada omega or um
0: what about a tied pen like a, a dual pen i
1: think i think that's cheap Okay, it has to be done right.
0: I I think the challenge with that is if you have too many pay-per-views a year. So, like, if you had a tie or if you had a dual pen and you only had four pay-per-views a year, you know, maybe that's actually fine. Um, But but if you're if you. Yeah, I I, just month to month having endings in pay-per-views, it just seems like, man, I'm going to run out of matchups really fast.
1: Yeah. But I think also, you know, maybe you can get away with that at an, in your house or, you know, an off month pay-per-view, but like, dude, Mm -hmm. this is the Royal rumble. This is one of your big four. No match on this show should end in a wonky finish. There should be a decisive pinfall or a submission finish. Like I I don't, I, I don't, I don't remember if this ever went anywhere. I know, uh, they both went on to have, I think, different matches at Mania that year. So, like, I don't know why this was your why this was your move at that the Rumble.
0: Yeah. Um. The Jericho then proceeds to uh try to hang JBL with a microphone cable. The crowd loved it. I, having learned what I have about Chris Benoit, and honestly, Jericho looked a little bit like Benoit during the match. I was very, very uncomfortable. Well, remember uh, the,
1: this was after the Benoins. Yeah, this was a. Yeah, that's why s- I'm uncomfortable. Six months after.
0: Yeah, I, that's why I'm like super uncomfortable by it. It's like it, it's yeah. it's. Just, I was just as uncomfortable then watching it yesterday as I was watching it at Mania between Edge and Randy Orton. Yeah.
1: Now yeah. I will. I will say there is some comedy in Jericho trying to legitimately hang JBL while pulling the rope. While standing on the ECW table and Jr. saying, "Jericho's going to the extreme," like <laughs> I that got a good chuckle out of me. You know, Jr. pat himself on the back for that one.
0: Oh yeah, match <laughs> got one point five stars from Meltzer, Goes nine minutes twenty four seconds. Match was too long. Score was too high.
1: Yeah, the only the only good I'll, I'll say came out of this match were the uh, the booze that the garden were raining down on JBL were tasty.
0: No, uh, that's good. That's yeah. very, very good. We then have a promo segment backstage. Someone named someone named Ashley uh goes and this is where we're gonna start to get into the Chris doesn't know anything stage. Someone named Ashley goes backstage, uh walks up to someone named Maria's dressing room, and she's wearing what I can only assume is lingerie. Hold on, hold um, on. you know who Maria is. I'm getting to that part, but <laughs> I don't know who this Ashley woman is. Um out walks Santino Morella who has the worst Mohawk on the planet um, and explains that Maria is getting ready for the first high definition kiss cam or whatever reason WWE is hammering home high definition. And I, I just, I was, I'll get into like a little rant on it later, but like high definition kiss cam, woo, whatever Santino mentions that, uh, uh, that Ashley's like, Hey, I, I need to talk to Maria. Santino basically says, I don't, I won't let you because she won't say no to you. In fact, she won't say no to anyone. Basically calls her a slut. And I was like, come on, guys. Like, this was a horrible segment in every way. The only thing that I will say is funny. Um, It has no resolution. Ashley's literally like, I want to talk to her. Santino says no. That's the whole segment. But the one thing that's funny, that's the only thing that's funny, was Santino says the following line, which, out of context, I found hilarious. Quote, Maria is not interested in you or your booby magazine. And and I I I laughed and I laughed and I laughed.
1: Um and, and it did have a resolution later in the evening, just not in this segment.
0: Yeah. And and I just it dumb. <laughs> so that's all the time we need to spend on that. Uh we then go to uh match number three of five, which is Edge versus Rey Mysterio for big gold, the WWE championship.
1: Which speaking uh, the, of Edge just looked so great with big gold.
0: It is perfect. It is honestly perfect. Like
1: certain belts are just made for certain people. Like the undisputed uh, championship is Brock Lesnar's belt. Like that belt was made to be around Mm -hmm. Brock Lesnar's waist. Big gold was perfect on edge. Um, You know, the winged eagle was perfect on Brett. Like there are just certain belts that certain people were made for.
0: The smoking skull was perfect for Austin.
1: Well, I mean, it was made for him, literally.
0: So in the opening video, um, we learned that uh, Edge and Vicky Guerrero are a thing. What?
1: Yeah, yeah. they. Um, this was the storyline they had went with. Eddie had been passed for a couple of years at this point, and uh, this was the story they ran.
0: Okay, great. Yep. So so Vicky is also the general manager of SmackDown at this time, so she sets up a beat-the-clock challenge. Um, Rey Mysterio is in this beat-the-clock challenge. For whatever reason, he actually has to face Edge in it. I think I'm very confused.
1: Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know why. I, oh, and- I, I will say this at this during this time, I didn't watch a ton of weekly, and I if I did, I wasn't watching SmackDown.
0: And at the at the exact same time, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder are somehow involved.
1: They are the Edgeheads. They are uh, partnered up with Edge.
0: Are they like groupies or something?
1: They're like his his his
0: lackeys. Oh, and then the Undertaker randomly showed up. What I, I was so confused, but for whatever reason, this leads to Edge versus Mysterio.
1: Wait, I mean, well, granted, the, the Undertaker portion was building towards the Mania match because it was Edge versus Taker at Mania.
0: Got it. Well, it regardless, as someone who came in, it was just confusing. The match itself is fun. How can you hate Edge? Like how?
1: I, you know, even you're supposed to here. You are supposed to. But man, he is he is the opposite of JBL. Um JBL is a charisma vacuum, and and Edge is uh is just oozing it, like super likable even when he's not supposed to be. Um, so good in the ring, like I, it's it was so great to watch this match, and this match was it was a good match. It's not like the best match for either of these guys ever, but mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, Edge, I've always loved Mysterio as well. Mysterio is one of my favorite WCW guys, but Edge is just he's probably one of my favorites of this era uh
0: yeah edge comes out obviously to metalingus which is maybe one of the best themes of all time as well yeah um, this, this song still shreds it, it was absolutely incredible um uh vicky Guerrero comes to the ring with teddy long which i thought was funny he was still being the- referred to as theodore theodore yeah. long yep yeah um ray comes to the ring i guess he had just watched 300 because he came out to the ring with this awesome like spartan mask dude that helmet was awesome (laughs) it was really really cool um mysterio was very much the babyface in this match and i mm-hmm. don't think the crowd necessarily had a reason to hate him but man they booed the hell out of mysterio in this match
1: massive square garden is a smarky smarky crowd and they loved edge so much that didn't matter who was the face and heel in this like we were so pro edge in this match
0: match has a lot of back and forth in it uh mysterio does this one thing that i have to point out that i hated beyond belief which is He does this thing where he like slides on his diaphragm, like, (laughs) and he looks like a, like a, like a fucking seal. And, and like he baseball slides this way. He does frog splashes this way. And it's like, oh, you know, what is the weakest part of my body, but it will probably cause some damage. My diaphragm. How about I just lead with that? And it was like, it was, it looked dumb. It looked unnecessary. It looked dangerous, especially when he would slide out of the ring with it and he would just land on his belly. And it was like, I hated every second of it. It didn't make any sense for a guy that was that good at luchador stuff.
1: Dude, him him being thrown out of the ring in that fashion is always going to be the funniest thing in the world to me because like, I mean, there's that that gif that's been circling around for years of like, he gets thrown out and the way they've, they've modified the videos, it looks like he just falls into the abyss
0: or into water it's like
1: a water or like they've, they've made it into the um i forget the, the shooting name. stars the shooting stars yeah they've done that too yeah it's always hilarious to me
0: i i oh god it just looks so and like he is the master of great lucha things and like it's just uh oh, goodness <laughs> so hawkins and Ryder get thrown out pretty early in the match um Which- edge gets the Speaking
1: of, like, seeing Ryder here versus uh, Matt Cardona now, 12 years later, they look like two completely different people. He has long hair. Well, between the hair and Cardona now is jacked.
0: Yeah, like, no, super Cardona jacked, is absurdly
1: jacked. Way more tan. You know, obviously, he, he's grown up a bit, too. But, like, watching him on, on Dynamite this past week versus seeing him as Ryder at the 2008 Rumble are, like, literally watching two separate people.
0: Hundred um, percent. Match is primarily uh, Edge going after uh, Ray's knee, um, uh, which apparently had just been recently surgically repaired. A uh, big hat tip to uh, Mysterio selling in this match. I thought it was incredible. Uh, about midway through the match, we have a six-one-nine attempt, which is countered into like a sloppy power slam. Uh, Mysterio is going to kick out. and and, like the selling is fantastic the moves are fantastic like i can't fault mysterio at all just the crowd was behind edge the entire way
1: yeah which i mean you know the only the only thing there is like edge is just always likable um i mean which is weird to say because edge was one of the greatest heels as well like Mm -hmm. evil edge was fantastic but like he's just he's so great that people can't help but love him
0: yeah And there's a ton of moves. There's a ton of great moves in here. There's a Lucha Bulldog by Mysterio while Mysterio was actively selling the knee. I thought that was really well done. Um, There's a monkey flip counter into a kick to the face by Mysterio, which was dope. Um, uh, (laughs) There's a reverse monkey flip into a Meteora, which I thought was incredible, where Mysterio started at Edge's legs, rolled up his body, and then landed as a Meteora. Yeah, like. Like Ray was awesome in this stuff. Um, the the only thing that I will say is bad is that he does what a, what looks like a coup de gras, except he doesn't bend his legs. And so he comes off the top rope and like just kind of stands on edge. And that looked rough. Yeah. But yeah. I think he was selling the knee.
1: Yeah. Which obviously was a big thing in this match.
0: Uh, Mysterio has a seal. Uh, the what I call the seal slide tornado DDT. Um the ending of this match is holy shit!
1: Oh, like the the finish is fantastic.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Edge goes for the spear, Ray ducks uh, and immediately turns into a Hurricane Rana and then a six one nine. However, Vicky pulls the uh, pulls the breath out of the way. Um, the crowd at this point only was here for the title change. Like they were like, okay, yeah. all right, because it was at that point it was looking real good. Um, but then the, then the hype happens and this is where my notes turn all caps, (laughs) uh, edge goes for a second spear. Ray jumps backwards out of the way, which lands edge since he used all of his momentum ends up on the ropes, which sets him up for the six, one, nine again, but however, Vicky comes in and takes the move for him. Uh, and that sets up a springboard, nothing by Ray. Which gets DD, uh, which looked like it was like a DDT attempt, honestly. But it gets he gets caught mid air by the spear from Edge. That finishing sequence, like it kept Ray strong. It the crowd actually turned a little bit towards Ray, and it was just freaking awesome.
1: Yeah, I this entire finish was amazing. Like it was better than the whole match, and the whole match was fun. But this whole finish was just incredible.
0: Yeah, I, I loved every second of it. 3.25 from Melter, 12 minutes, 34 seconds. Uh, the way I like, I, I think the match was like a 2.25. So the score was fine. Um, but the finishing sequence was like a four and a half in terms of like how good it was. Yeah, yeah. I would say is probably the best match on the card. Um, From a pure wrestling standpoint, I'd, I'd agree. Yeah. Promo segment between some blonde guy and Ric Flair. Uh, the blonde guy is like taunting Flair. Um for, Flair for has clarity, no
1: clarity. P- that blonde guy is Mr. Kennedy.
0: Okay, sure. Let's make up words too. Um <laughs> so Flair has no pants on. Um uh this blonde guy is like making fun and taunting Flair, and then a random Shawn Michaels appears. Um, and he makes fun of kids with blonde hair and catchphrases. And he just oozes charisma. I loved this promo so much. Um, uh, So Shawn Michaels makes some jokes. Batista appears. Triple H appears. Um, And you get this little mini evolution reunion. And the blonde guy is still there. Yeah, and DX, yeah, as well. Um, Trips tells Flair to put his pants on, which is like the first of three times in this promo that this happens. Uh, Batista and Triple H both talk about how they're going to win the Royal Rumble. Then Shawn Michaels says, the best person is going to win and you can buy his shirt on (laughs) (laughs) www.shop.com.
1: Yeah. This was a fun little segment. It definitely, you know, uh, it showcased how, how good Michaels could be in in a comedy promo. Um, And obviously it telegraphed stuff for the rumble with the, the Batista and triple H stuff. And um, I, I, I just got a good chuckle out of triple H being like, Rick, I can't believe I got to tell you this, but uh, you got to put some pants on
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is great in every way. Yeah, this was fun. This is followed up by an in-ring promo segment featuring uh, Maria Canellis before she is a um, uh
1: Yeah, this is Maria. Oh, Maria. I don't remember what her old last name was.
0: Well, she comes out to like this simple plan sound alike. I actually um, think
1: it is simple plan. Are you serious? I think it is. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not not hundred percent sure, but I'm I'm like 95% sure that it actually was a simple plan song.
0: It it's horrible. It's a horrible segment altogether. The really short end of it is that Maria comes out to do a Kiss Cam sequence. Um, and then this Ashley girl comes out, and apparently Hugh Hefner wants Maria to pose for Playboy. Now, Maria is uh a beautiful woman in every respect, but like I didn't need this segment. It was very bad. Santino Morella comes out, bashes every piece of New York sports except the Giants, which aged horribly. I mean, he does bash them,
1: but they, uh, you know, this was right before they were about to play the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And he he was basically, you know, talking shit about the, the Giants. And the Giants ended up winning that Super Bowl, which was, even as a Jet fan, that was fantastic.
0: That's what I was going to ask you about. I said, like, you're a lifelong Jets fan. Yeah. And. and defeating the 19 and O is a big deal.
1: Yep. Yeah, it it was, it it was fantastic.
0: It is pretty, pretty fantastic. There's Santino. Uh, the one thing that I did like about the segment is that Ashley asked the crowd if, if they wanted to see Marie and Playboy, and they cheered. That's not the part I like. The part that I liked is that Santino then goes, the crowd will cheer for anything. Hey crowd, do you want hepatitis? And the crowd goes wild. like, (laughs) It made me so happy. I have yeah, I have horrible issues with this segment. We don't need to talk about it further, nope. but uh, it happened. no, There's uh, been a...
1: this segment was just painful. It, it I'm so happy that you know, a decade plus on, we're actually getting legitimately good women's wrestling from a million different places now. It's not just outside of WWE. like w w e is doing good women's wrestling. um you, know, and you have all your uh, your joshy stuff. you have. Um, a lot of great stuff on the indies. AEW is trying with their women's division.
0: Very yeah. green, but yeah, they're trying. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, they're trying.
1: But yeah, we don't have to talk about this segment anymore.
0: Yeah, uh, we can follow that up by talking about a commercial for WrestleMania 24 where May Young makes out with a fat guy and WrestleMania 24, which emanated
1: from where we are both right now, Orlando, Florida.
0: Oh, I thought that was Miami. No, Miami was 28.
1: Uh, yeah, Miami was 28. Uh, yeah, yeah, 24 was in Orlando.
0: Gotcha. So we then move on to match four, which is Orton versus Hardy. Orton is the WWE champion. Matt Hardy is the intercontinental champion. Uh, this was, this was a cool premise in that, Hey, we're going to have the IC, uh, holder versus the WWE holder, but only the WWE title was on the line. And this was also a good
1: way to get both champions in a marquee match on the show uh, without overloading the show as they do a lot in present day. Like this show was only five matches.
0: Yeah, no, it which was, was great, great because great for for length and everything.
1: Yeah, two crowd- two, ma- two matches per first hour and then you have the Rumble, which is really, really smart.
0: The crowd was really, really big on Jeff Hardy and did not care at all for Orton. However, there were dueling chants at one point.
1: Yeah, and one, one thing... Uh, but before the match I'll talk about is they had a video promo before the match, um, which I remembered absolutely loving back at the time. Um, I thought it was such a great promo. I thought they did such a great job of hyping up uh, Jeff Hardy for this match that I was, I was so in on Hardy winning and watching it yesterday. I realized um, they changed it on the network. It is not the same promo. The music is different and
0: very low effort on the, on the network.
1: Yeah. The, the reason, and you realize the song they used is very generic.
0: Mhm.
1: The reason is the original promo package for this was uh set to the song Rooftops by Lost Profits.
0: It worked... famous from Halo music video hell.
1: Uh yeah, and you know uh, they were a big big band, Last Train Home, uh mm-hmm. you know they were a big new metal kind of band in the early 2000s. Um and Rooftops came out in 06. They used this in this video package. It was it worked super well and just it hyped it up so well. I mean even Stolas was like, "Man, that song is great and it's made that whole video so much better It's actually it's actually one of my favorite all-time video packages they've done up there with like my desire and uh mm-hmm. and monster such, yeah it's such, such you know uh, the the you uh you can hate me now with the miz like mm-hmm. but you know it's for me it's up there um eventually and unfortunately um they wwe did have to remove the song and i say unfortunately because uh the lead singer of lost profits was found to be a convicted sex offender a couple of years ago um so, obviously, totally the right move. Uh, you have to, you know, you got to separate yes. that if you can. But if, if for a moment you can separate the art from the artist, look up this video package on YouTube. Um, just look up Jeff Hardy rooftops, and you should find this video package. It works so much better.
0: Yeah, and God, that, and it's a great song. Like, uh, no, It is a great yeah.
1: song, yeah.
0: Separating the art from the artist it is a fantastic song. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, Billy. I don't really care about this match no it wasn't that
1: great uh, No, nope. my notes uh I think sum up this match perfectly totally fine match but even 12 years ago I could not care less about Randy Orton retaining a championship
0: yeah there's a couple things I want to talk about during the match which is um uh Orton has a drop kick that rivals Kazuchika Okada's yep. and it is gorgeous my lord the vertical height he gets on his drop, his drop kicks are are incredible yeah. um Uh, The Orton stop is stomp is at full is in full uh, full use here. Um, But yeah, there's not a whole lot like there's really not a whole lot in the match, which is kind of disappointing. Um, Orton's power slam is always a thing of beauty um, Mm -hmm. when he's able to hit it.
1: Yeah. Uh, And, and, And against somebody like Hardy, who's a bit smaller and lighter, he can do it real well.
0: Yeah. The match gets three stars from Meltzer goes 14 and 14 minutes and 12 seconds. It ends from a. RKO out of nowhere. Uh Jeff Hardy goes for the twist of fate, which is the finisher. And obviously Randy counters it. And like there there's reason to be uh there's a reason to be stoked about that because the RKO out of nowhere is a legitimately hype worthy move. It yep. will get you hyped out of nowhere. It's just that we are it is it, it I'm bored. Yeah. Uh, so then we move on to the main event, the Peace Day resistance, the chef's kiss of the evening, which is the Royal rumble match. Is this your first Royal rumble? Uh, it is my first rumble
1: ever attending. Uh, the only other rumble I could have attended was in 2000, but, uh, I was still young and I was at the mercy of my, my parents, <clears throat> my parents taking me places and, uh, we either couldn't get tickets or they couldn't take me or something happened. So I ended up watching that one at home, which in hindsight, super bummer because that, uh, pay-per-view had the wwe uh or at that time wwf debut of taz where he faced kurt angle oh snap which is very very cool but yeah this was my first rumble in person my first of two
0: uh joey styles and taz are here on commentary for the very first time in the entire show because there are some ecw guys on the show
1: yeah this is the first time any ecw guys were appearing um in the rumble there was no uh marquee ecw match uh there was no ecw title match uh the ecw title had actually changed hands just a few days prior to this on tv uh uh this sentence i'm about to say is true and i hate it uh chavo guerrero defeated cm punk for the ecw championship uh on the tuesday prior to this royal rumble
0: and and like i mean disagree with me please because i'm i'm not an expert in this at all but like don't we like Chavo Guerrero? Isn't
1: he a good wrestler? No, we do. But um, we're two years into Punk's WWE tenure, and he shouldn't – he he should have been treated so much better at this point.
0: All right. Fair enough. Uh, so obviously the Royal Rumble starts with its by-the-numbers video promo. It's the only time during the year that WWE cares about statistics – and it's wonderful. Yeah, the buy the numbers promo every single year basically tells you: here's who did this in that one time, and here's how many people that the most single person has ever done the things of. And <laughs> it's I'm easy really, for me to say.
1: I'm really glad you're not in charge of that video because it would be terrible. <laughs> Here, so the match here's the person who did the most things that one time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. and
0: just and just four,
1: like just. <laughs> With no other detail. With
0: no other detail. <laughs> with, a,
1: with a picture of a wrestler nobody recognizes.
0: Oh, Elijah Burke. Um, Chuck Palumbo. Yeah, there you go. So uh, Michael Buffer is out to introduce the match. This is the let's get ready to rumble guy. Mm-hmm. And this is dope. The only the only way
1: I, I thought this could have been better, and I actually thought this when they were saying they were introducing uh, a person to do this announcement, I thought it was going to be the fink. Oh, okay. Um, But Buffer, you know, being the Royal Rumble and him being the let's get ready to Rumble guy, this made perfect sense.
0: Yeah, no, this was good. And then they introduced uh, uh, entrance numbers one and two to start the Royal Rumble match. And I loved this. Oh, Undertaker was number one. Uh, He had a four-minute entrance that I fast-forwarded through. (laughs) But Undertaker's number one. Shawn Michaels is number two, which is ironic because this is number... 30 and 29 from the year before why don't they do this every
1: year i i i thought that completely i think um even more so not 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 only if you're if you're number 29 and 30 but i think if you win the year prior you have to enter at number one like if you're
0: if you're you're not the champion
1: yeah yeah yeah. but if you if you win the rumble the year prior and you are entering the next year you should have to enter at number one
0: yeah, it was it, it was such a nice touch. I thought it was very well rounded. I thought it was dope. And surprise, surprise, these two can fucking go.
1: Oh yeah, T- two thousand eight for these two was was fantastic. And like, you know, th- this might be the the greatest first two in rumble history.
0: It really might be.
1: Like, because uh, for years they they've gone on and done you know kind of. Uh, mismatches where you get a really powerful guy at number one and like a, a joke guy at number two. So the joke guy mm-hmm. gets eliminated super quick and then they wait and then you know number three is somebody big or, or they just have the the big guy run rough shot over the first five or six and then you know a big thing happens. But so having it be two giant marquee stars open the rumble and go a good distance in this rumble too, I think was a very smart idea.
0: Same. Completely agree. Santino's in at number three. Speaking um, of joke guys. Yeah <laughs> uh he eats a super kick from Michaels and gets him eliminated by Taker. Yeah. Um uh that's all we need to say about that because it was very very quick. Great Khali is in at 4. Um uh and and uh just pure garbage.
1: Yeah. Like one of the worst Vince's big guy projects
0: ever like well because he can't walk he has difficulty walking
1: yeah which is a bummer because for all intents and purposes every story i've ever heard he's a very very lovable wonderful person backstage but
0: well not just that but he's uh big into getting the country of india into professional wrestling yeah like, he, and that's well, and that's
1: great and, and that's partly why they did it too it you know it was kind of similar to the the gender thing putting the belt on him a couple of years ago because they were expanding the tv market in india like you know, it, it's great to get that exposure and have somebody from that country be a marquee star, but I man, Kali just was never he he was never that good in the ring. Um it just yeah. didn't work, which feel like you know, he violent his purpose. Feel bad
0: because he's a good guy. Yeah,
1: great guy, very well liked. Uh, you know, he's come back many times over the years. Like he actually came back as part of the the gender storyline in twenty seventeen. So like you feel bad, but like, you know, it just just one of Vince's big guy projects that didn't work.
0: Yeah uh great colleague gets eliminated by uh taker hardcore holly is in at number five my notes say that he actually may be the blonde man from that earlier promo with rick flair he is um, not he looks like a fit mike pence <laughs> um he he's very agile and fast though
1: uh my favorite bit about hardcore holly entering here at number five is he's facing off against uh the undertaker and Shawn michaels because uh, at this point everyone else is no uh no, Kali was still in at this point. Um, but so the, those three and Hardcore Holly are in the ring. And Jr. says, what would it mean if Hardcore Holly won the Royal Rumble and went on to headline WrestleMania? And you're just like, dude, come on. Like, <laughs> you look at who's in this ring right now. Hardcore Holly's not the one that's going to win. Like, I, I, I can only suspend a disbelief so much.
0: He does stay in the ring for a while, though. Number six in is uh, John Morrison, who enters without his slow mo, um, which is disappointing. Yeah. Uh, he's apparently the current tag champ
1: with the, the Miz. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so he comes in, and honestly, really agile, super awesome stuff from him. Yep. Tommy Tommy Dreamer is in at number seven. How much does M? How much does MSG blow up when oh, that happens?
1: Tommy Dreamer, because of ECW, is such a beloved uh, fixture in New York. People (laughs)
0: beloved.
1: Seriously, like people love him there. Like, and then for every right reason. Like, you know, he was such a staple at ECW and and he's a New Yorker. I think he's from Yonkers. Like people just love Tommy Dreamer. So made-up town. It's not a made-up town, real place. Okay. Hmm, Um and when he enters to this horrible off-brand Allison Chains cover of Man in the Box. We don't care what it sounds like. We're, we're just like, hell yeah, Tommy Dreamer's here. This is awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and yeah, he's always been a good friend of the business in Absolutely. every way, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. It was about this time that I noticed that uh, Morrison and Michaels have <laughs> really good chemistry together.
1: Yeah. The fact that we never got a, a legitimate main event uh, WWE championship match between uh, those two at some point would uh, it's just, a, it's a huge missed opportunity.
0: And then the hype train just keeps going because Batista's in at number eight, and my notes literally go full all caps, and I just go, "Let's go, baby!" The theme music still gets me hyped. Batista immediately eliminates Tommy Dreamer. Um, he spears John Morrison. Like my notes say, like I think this John Morrison guy is good, and I, I agree with that sentiment. But this segment was all about
1: Batista. Oh, for sure, hundred um. percent. Batista facing off with the taker like the garden was just like the most pumped I've seen it all night like we're just like oh my god let's do this like people are so so into that and then immediately eliminating Tommy Dreamer just killed that hype
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh Hornswoggle is in at number nine to which Mm -hmm. Jerry Lawler then says on commentary here's horny
1: yep he sure is
0: yep he immediately runs under the ring i my notes say this is a dumb gimmick and a dumber storyline
1: yeah the fact that this was a real storyline of vince being swoggles dad was a real storyline they did it, it just shows like wwe being a cesspool for bad creative is not a new development like no. they've been bad at this for years it just helped that they had bigger better stars and and storylines for a long time that overshadowed those other things
0: yes uh, number ten is uh, Chuck Palumbo. I have a question for you, Billy. Who- Go
1: ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, Chuck Palumbo. Um, his, I think, his most famous claim is being part of the. Um, is, is is it being being a tall X No, it is being part of the uh, Chuck and Billy storyline um, where. Oh, yep. he's that Chuck. Yeah, he is that Chuck.
0: Oh snap!
1: But that was the most interesting Chuck has ever been because here. Uh, my note was sure this can happen for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Jamie Noble is in at number eleven, and apparently he's an arch enemy of Chuck Palumbo, <laughs> which
1: like taught me two things: one, Jamie Noble has an arch enemy; two, <laughs> I remember nothing from the undercard stories of two thousand and eight, like nothing at all
0: you just picture like jamie noble wakes up in the middle of the night in the year 2020 and does like a Dinkelberg thing for the fairly odd (laughs) parents palumbo
1: yeah i uh, this was the thing that happened i'm sure
0: yeah um he is actually eliminated pretty uh pretty quickly by palumbo and um Uh, at this point, John Morrison does the, does the Shawn Michaels, I'm almost being eliminated gimmick. And my note is it's honestly getting old at this point because John Morrison hasn't necessarily learned how to do super awesome stuff yet with his potential eliminations.
1: Yes. Which, which, uh, and I I mentioned this later on, but just bums me out because, um, there, there's a moment where you could have had three guys with insane chemistry together in this rumble match in Shelton, Benjamin, Carlito, and John Morrison. And one of them gets eliminated before all three can be in there together. And it just bums me out because these two have one of my, these three, I should say have one of my favorite triple threat matches of all time. Such amazing chemistry together, crazy flippy spots. So great together. And I wish like, I can only imagine the rumble stuff they could have done together, but it uh, was not meant to be
0: cm Punkin is in at number 12 and the crowd goes berserk
1: yeah uh for for um for two reasons one uh everyone loves cm punk especially he was a ring of honor guy which was huge in new york at the time so people loved him and uh two who doesn't get hyped at some uh kill switch engage flowing through the pa of madison square garden
0: seriously so cody good. rhodes is in at number 13 um i got a couple notes here cody with brunette hair is weird
1: yeah not used it's, to it anymore
0: It's his first Royal Rumble. Yeah. And there's a really awesome, wholesome story here about uh, Cody getting offense on the Undertaker. He gets in the ring and Taker says, throw a dropkick or or whatever that first move is. And Cody literally goes, what? As if to be like, wait a minute, you want me to get offense on you? Um, (laughs) He tells the story once you can find it online. Um, I think it's a between the ropes interview. uh, And it is, it's honestly super wholesome. And he does get offense in on Taker. Taker then destroys him. But he does get offense in.
1: The thing that that I I noticed about Cody uh, coming in here at number thirteen is, uh, aside from the Undertaker thing, he immediately squares off with Punk. Which, if this happened in twenty twenty, would be like the biggest news in professional wrestling. It would it would be arguably mainstream at this point. Oh, for sure. Like if, if God, if you, if you told me that the main event of All Out would be CM Punk versus Cody for the TNT title, I'd be like, this is the only time the TNT title should headline over the AEW title.
0: Oh, 100%. Uh, Umaga is in at number 14. Uh, for some reason, he thinks dreads are a good idea. He gets rid of hardcore Holly with a throat smack. Uh, and then Batista batista knocks the beads out of umaga's hair like uh <laughs> he is the vegan bad guy <laughs> in scott pilgrim versus the world and attacking knives chow
1: you knock the beads out of his hair yeah you like, knock the beads out of his hair
0: <laughs> um he comes across as a very interesting dude he's not wearing shoes um i know he has since passed but uh, uh and he honestly he was actually pretty interesting umaga
1: is a part of the uh the Inouye, um samoan wrestling family so he's related Mm -hmm. to the rock and the usos and um roman reigns um the thing i I noticed about umaga in this is uh, umaga was vince's pick in the match against lashley at wrestlemania where lashley represented trump um lashley won umaga lost so um i know you shouldn't speak ill of the dead but i blame umaga for our current uh, presidency
0: so Snitsky is number 15. Um, I have a couple of I have a couple of thoughts here. First of all, is he the guy that kicked the baby?
1: He is. He is.
0: Okay. All right. So that's that's one claim to fame. Uh he, uh my notes say that he looks like a group counselor for Hitler's youth. Um uh the, the crowd doesn't react to him at all.
1: Yeah, this and that's uh, all I have. <laughs> this, this character was so Bad. dumb. So dumb. Um, I never liked him or his "dumb it wasn't my fault" catchphrase. Um, he was another one of the Vince big guy projects with no personality. Fun, um, fun, fun, fun. My note there was: see also Ryback.
0: Ah, good point. Yeah. Uh, Miz is in at number sixteen, and he has very baggy pants.
1: What's really funny is I have notes for every single person that entered. I took no notes for the Miz. I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a bummer because, like, I I loved the Miz when he was on the Real World. I thought it was cool. He was a big wrestling fan. Um, I I the only thing I noticed was like, man, I, I he's come such a long way.
0: He really has. Like, um, he's got so much more ring presence here, and, and
1: he's he, he doesn't look as punchable anymore. Like he used to look like somebody I'd want to punch.
0: That's true. Now he looks like a very happy father.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I, you know, I uh, get a beer with him, like. Courtney watches or has watched, uh, Ms. and Mrs. on USA. your, your,
0: your lovely lady friend, Courtney.
1: Yes. Yeah. She, uh, she, I, I think, I don't know if she still does, but she was watching it, uh, for a while. And, uh, You only watch
0: Chris, you know, the best with her.
1: We're, we we did. We were watching it literally right before we recorded this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, Grayson just got braces and, uh, an expander for his, uh, the roof of his mouth. So that's where we're at there. Okay. <laughs> it would not be a wrestling show if we didn't talk about Chrisley Knows Best.
0: Well, it's coming. Well, actually, the, I'm glad you mentioned that, Billy, because starting next week, we're actually going to start our Chrisley Knows Best reaction podcast.
1: <laughs> it's uh, Chris and, and Chris and Billy know second best.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and the best part is, is that we always record immediately after we record the wrestling podcast.
1: <laughs> so we're, we're just as exasperated after watching three hours of Raw. And, uh, <laughs> But we're somehow still excited to talk about Chris Lee.
0: Oh, man. I I start to notice here that the ring is starting to get a little full. Too full. Um, Yeah, way too full. Um, And at about this point, we get
1: Shelton
0: Benjamin in at number 17. His old music was so damn hype. Like, dude, his whole experience in this Royal Rumble was so damn
1: hype. Dude, he ran in and was like, "I know there's 97 people in this ring, but I'm gonna jump on that top rope where the two guys who are standing right now." Like, he instantly just starts doing crazy shit and just instantly gets sweet chinned over the top rope. Like,
0: yeah, which sucks because his athleticism was so awesome. Like, you you know the general rule about the Royal Rumble, which is get in, get your shit, and get out. Yep. Like, he did that. And boy, did his shit look good. It did.
1: But man, the garden crowd hated this because we loved Shelton Benjamin. And like he, he came in and we saw him instantly jump up on the top rope uh, with I forget who. It might have been Punk and Morrison or I forget who was up there. But I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then instantly just sweet chin music over the top rope. And like, I, I don't know if it was just my section, but like we were angry about this.
0: Yeah, it was not. It was not great. Jimmy Snuka lot. Fly- Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Um I tried to combine Superfly and Snuka there. Is in yep. at number 18. Um I don't really want to talk about this too much. Um
1: Yeah, knowing uh, what, knowing what we know now this sucks.
0: Yeah. Um, um his entry music does sound very NJPW though and I like that. I
1: think it was actually his original entrance music. I don't know if the, I don't know if it was new or they changed it. So it well, would make that sound It definitely sounded like it was out of the 80s. Yeah. Um, The one thing I will note about this before we move on to number 19, um, the crowd sounds like they're booing. They might be saying snooka or snoo or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't recall the boos, um, but it is distinctly possible that we were booing because uh, as I mentioned, the MSG crowds were always super snarky, uh, smarky, I should say. And um, they didn't like legends getting spots over the newer talent they loved, which I'm going to take number 19 from you because that the segue here is too easy. Um, yeah. Number 19 was Rowdy Roddy Piper.
0: Let's this, fucking go!
1: This was the exception of the rule I just said. Yeah, We loved this, uh, yeah. as did uh, in-ring competitor CM Punk.
0: Uh, that's that's my note is that punk is marking the fuck out during this oh like my he's God. laughing
1: like visibly just having a great time laying on the bottom rope watching snooker and piper go at it he was having such a great time he's literally us during this this uh, oh sp-
0: yeah Oh, absolutely. And there's been some really cool moments like where you see the wrestler mark out in the ring. Yeah. Uh, Sammy Zayn at TakeOver Dallas is a great example. Um, um,
1: uh, Ambrose, when he had uh, the the snake put on him by Jake the Snake, like he is visibly yes. smiling as he's supposed to be knocked out.
0: <laughs> yeah, but but CM Punk here. So basically what happens is, is that Piper comes into the ring, targets Snuka. They they go at it right in the middle. They do a really quick fry Takeyama bit, um, but everyone else in the ring. And there's about 40 people in the ring right now. It's so many stop. Like they just, nobody does anything. Oh yeah. Like and, and it's great. And they're just watching and the camera, thank God focuses on CM Punk just a little bit. And he just looks like the happiest child in the chocolate factory.
1: Oh yeah. It, it was, this was so much fun. Um, it's funny because when he first comes out, you're like, man, Piper looks great. And then he took his shirt off and you're like, he was not
0: in good shape for this. <laughs> no, he wasn't. But it did not matter because I mean, because he's still Piper.
1: Yeah. And he and he was only in for a few minutes because uh, I'll let you take over number 20 again. But
0: yeah, Kane is in at 20. Um, but uh, I'm going to throw it right back to you because how good is this entrance music?
1: Uh, Slow Chemical is up there, man. Um, Finger Eleven took Kane's like the base of Kane's song and made it into an even better song. <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, it's excellent. It's so good. Um, yeah.
0: Is is it just me or is part of the Rumble enjoying everyone's entrance in short succession?
1: Absolutely. Um, what's funny is uh, my note was uh, Slow Chemical is one of the best wrestling themes ever. Fight me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's on a show where we've already talked about how good Jericho's theme is, how good Edge's theme is. Yep. It's fantastic. Yep. Um, Kane immediately eliminates Piper and Snuka, which is fine because it gets two more people out of the ring which leads to carlito in at 21 um who comes in and starts spitting on people um my notes are isn't he ripped now
1: uh yeah yeah we we've seen him as recent as uh glow um got it and for those who do you know for those who may only watch more recent wwe um carlito is related to the colognes uh epico epico and primo he is their brother or cousin i believe nice um
0: okay yeah Mick Foley is in at twenty-two, and the crowd goes hype. Like
1: you're 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 bringing Long Island Zone Mick Foley into the Garden. Like we we exploded. Like like it was loud in the venue. You could hear how loud it was on the show. We were so excited. But this is the point where I took actual note of: there are so many goddamn people in this ring
0: yeah uh, this is the loudest the crowd has been all night long um and and we immediately have a uh a, a finisher bit uh taker power bombs batista foley ddt's Kane. umaga hits a samoan drop on taker a side slam by snitsky who i note is still in this mm. um and then i just note the ring's way too crowded and of course what makes that better mr kennedy Coming in at number twenty three, yes. who apparently is the guy that is taunting Flair in that promo earlier. Yes, um, uh, I thought his name was Mr. Anderson. Am I thinking of the Matrix?
1: Um, you are, but oh. you're not incorrect. On the Indies and in TNA, he was known as Mr. Anderson or Ken Anderson. Oh, okay. So you're not wrong. Um,
0: is uh, okay. So my follow up question is: Is are Mr. Kennedy and Hardcore Holly the same person? They are not. Okay. Uh, So Big Daddy V is in at 24. Uh, This man is
1: large. He is. And uh, here's a fun fact you may not know. He was the 1995 King of the Ring. Really? He was when he was wrestling under the name um, Mabel. Okay. Well, Yep. he was Mabel. He was Viscera in the ministry. And then uh, he came back for another run as
0: Big Daddy V. Well, he was a he was Big Daddy something. Large, Um, large man. Yeah, so Snitsky is eliminated by Taker while Big Daddy V is on his way into the ring. Uh, so that's one person out. Although, and then, t- what's interesting?
1: I just wanted to note this about Big Daddy V is this would have been the guy that in today's Rumbles, the, the, they would have said he's too big to be eliminated. How could anyone eliminate this giant man? Yeah, well, because
0: he's about five hundred pounds. Yeah,
1: but oh. uh, they they did not. I'm shocked because that's like the staple for every big man in the Rumble now. Whether you're Braun Strowman or. or um, uh, the big show that's like yeah. what they say about you now yeah exactly um, now uh, you just mentioned uh snitsky did get eliminated here um undertaker ends up dropping uh what i call the uh fuck you leg drop on snitsky there, <laughs> snitsky was like laid out on a table and taker dropped this leg drop that just did not look like it felt good even from a fake wrestling standpoint this looked painful
0: yeah, so that's because Taker eats a sweet chin music over the top rope, and he gets eliminated right after eliminating Snitsky, yep. uh, and then uh, Shawn Michaels uh, gets eliminated by Kennedy. So you have three people that are immediately eliminated. Uh, Taker gets very pissed over, I guess the 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 circumstances of the match, and decides he wants to beat the shit out of Snitsky. Yep. Uh, th- there's no reason behind it; he just does.
1: Yeah, uh, I uh, um. It gave Snitsky a rub, I guess. I don't know. I'm no. sure. But that-
0: At this point, Big Daddy V gets into the ring, and despite there being three less people, there's somehow less space in the ring. Yep. Uh, and you know what makes that better? Mark Henry.
1: Who, in 2008, Jesus Christ, was a wall of a human being. He was the great wall of Henry. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Like, I'm so used to how he looks now when he pops up on TV, but he was a just giant wall of a human it was insane
0: and you and 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 it wasn't like a wall of fat it was no. a
1: wall of muscle like his like you just look at his shoulders like point point to point on his shoulders is the width, like the 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 height of a small child
0: yeah absolutely he it's comes ins- in at number 25 and i gotta tell you somebody about to get the ass kicked
1: <laughs> gonna get inducted to the uh hall of hall of pain
0: yeah geez it's it's insanity um Uh, Miz gets eliminated technically by Swoggle uh, uh, here. Swoggle is still hiding under the ring, but he helps Kennedy get rid of Miz. So Miz is now out, uh, which leads to Chavo Guerrero in at number 26. Uh, He and Punk have a quick little standoff. um, And then Kane eliminates John Morrison. uh, And then a a, a whole sequence uh, takes place between Hornswoggle uh, attempting to eliminate Mark Henry (laughs) which is a sentence I just said. (laughs) Henry then literally picks Hornswoggle up, brings him into the ring and throws him out. However, not before, and this is where it gets a little confusing, but not before David Finley or uh, Fit Finley runs in. Very different person. Yeah. Fit Finley runs in with a shillelagh. And apparently Fit fit is number 27. Yes.
1: Um, Now, Finley is disqualified for using the shillelagh. I'm pretty sure Finley attacking Mark Henry and Big Daddy V with a shillelagh is a hate crime. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Well,
0: it's not just that, but it's also like, isn't the rumble technically a no DQ match?
1: Yeah, this is dumb. Like, okay. Like that was my literal note. Finley disqualified for using shillelagh, rumbles are no DQ. This so dumb. I forgot is.
0: Did you, um, did you did did you, you know what was happening in the arena? Because <laughs> it goes from 26 to 28.
1: Yeah, Finley didn't get a proper entrance. He just ran out before his time, which I think commentary tried to sell this as why he was actually disqualified. Not because he used the shillelagh, but because he entered before his number was up. Yeah. Um, but in the arena, we had no idea.
0: Okay, so you literally just, the, you're, you're the, literally like waiting for 27 and all of a sudden the number 28 pops up? Yeah,
1: out? the only reason we knew the numbers were correct were that, you know, they were putting them next to each other, like next to the entrance when it happened.
0: So that leads to number 28, who is Elijah Burke, who?
1: Yeah, I even uh, this is this reminded me that he was part of their roster at this time, and I legitimately forgot who this guy was.
0: I still have no idea who this guy is. He uh, from what I
1: recall v- very vaguely, he was part of ECW at the time.
0: OK, uh, Chavo eliminates Punk. Which pisses off Billy very much. Mm-hmm. Very dumb. Very dumb. And then uh, in at number twenty nine is Triple H, Hunter Hurst Helmsley himself. The crowd collectively says all at the same time, "Finally!"
1: Yeah, we we obviously at this point you know Triple H is number twenty nine. Um, you know he he because we knew we knew he was in the Rumble. We just didn't know where. So once once we heard this, we're like, okay. But now we're like, who the hell is number thirty?
0: Yeah, and this is post quad Triple H too. So he's a babyface. Uh, I mean this is post
1: quad triple H by a large margin. Uh, the quad oh, okay. the quad incident was uh six years prior. Oh really? Which is funny because that was when um Triple H was that the first quad or the second quad? Um oh I don't know that I don't I don't remember I thought, I thought New
0: Year's Revolution oh six was the second quad.
1: Oh maybe maybe that was the second one. I, I was thinking of the first one because he, he came back at the Rumble two thousand. He won the rumble 2002 after the first quad and his return from that injury was actually at the garden on raw.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Well, he comes in, he immediately eliminates Cody Rhodes. Then he eliminates Foley and Elijah Burke who, and then, uh, (laughs) Elijah Burke actually just got caught up in Foley getting eliminated and uh, apparently was in the match accidentally. Anyway, (laughs) um, triple H then hits the pedigree on Umaga and that leads to number 30, Billy, I'm going to give this one to you because holy shit.
1: Yeah. uh, Number 30, you know, we get the buzzer. There's a moment of silence and nobody knows who it is. And then we hear the opening theme, opening parts of uh, John Cena's theme music, to which point the garden absolutely explodes. Like this is 100% a legitimate surprise. We knew he was injured back in October. He was supposed to be out for six months. This was barely three months later.
0: Yeah, this is a torn pectoral muscle. Yeah, so he 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 tore his boobie.
1: Yeah, so this and this was such a like like I said, huge huge surprise. The place came unglued, and and at this point, it didn't matter if you loved Cena or hated Cena. This was such a big moment that you were like, I'm oh, in. Let's do this. This is so awesome. Uh, this is easily one of the biggest pops I've ever witnessed live. Right up there with AJ debuting at the Rumble in 2016.
0: Uh, it's 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 phenomenal. Like it's and, and and like it's one of the best calls by JR. Crowd is absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Triple H sells it perfectly. They it didn't take them long to transfer into booze. Yeah, um, which yeah. I, I don't know if this is where you wanted to talk about coin and uh, Dominic. Well,
1: I, 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 that's a it's a quick story I have to tell after because it's it's a it's about the winner of the Rumble.
0: Fair enough. Uh, Cena immediately gets in, and and we're talking this happens within ten seconds. He eliminates Carlito. He eliminates Chavo. He eliminates Mark Henry. You can actually see that Cena's peck is still a little torn. Uh, at this time so it was, it was honestly impressive that he was still doing this there's a quick standoff by cena and triple h and then fucking batista comes in and then he spears umaga he eliminates kennedy he eliminates umaga and batista is now all of a sudden like holy shit i'm gonna win the rumble uh and, and i think at this point you're down to your final four
1: yeah of cena triple h batista and kane
0: yeah Kane sets up a double choke slam on Batista, but they team up to then beat Kane together, which is kind of an uneasy reunion of evolution. Yep. And that leaves you with your final three, which is Batista, Cena, and Trips. And the uh the the Madison Square Garden crowd are losing their mind.
1: Oh, they're they are completely losing their shit this is such a great final three and and even without without talking about who won which we will in a second this was a a really good rumble but it definitely boiled down to exactly who you expected once cena entered like once cena entered the ring you knew it was going to be these guys
0: and everybody then immediately does their taunts uh batista does his his uh thumbs Mm -hmm uh cena does his you can't see me and then trips does the dx uh crotch chop which obviously means he won that standoff yeah uh and 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 honestly at this point it becomes a hoss fight
1: yeah i mean it's it's because at this point you can't treat the rumble as a wrestling match you have to treat it as kind of a brawl
0: yeah um it's fantastic batista batista kind of carries himself unbelievably well during all of this he hits a spine buster on cena Although that's countered by a Spine Buster on by trips. Uh, like it's actually I'm, I'm sorry, uh Batista actually hits his uh Spinebuster on Cena and then on trips. Yeah, yeah. Uh and then he attempts the Batista bomb to get rid of Cena. However, he counters. Uh and as he counters out of the Batista bomb, Triple H knocks out Batista, which leaves our final two. Yes. Of Triple H versus Cena. And we have some mania sign pointing the crowd again, going bonkers. Who did you want to win in this moment?
1: Um, at this point, I, I I didn't really have a dog in either race. I was just it was it was an exciting final two. Um, you know, I, I I never disliked Triple H. So I, I wouldn't have mind him winning. Um, and at this point, I wasn't I wasn't super negative on Cena either. Like a few years prior, I was a big Cena fan. So at this point, I, I was like, you know, whoever wins, this is cool. Like I'm in
0: fair. There's a point, however, um, during all of this where uh, they, they start their brawling, and Cena sets up Triple H for the five knuckle shuckle. And there's this thousand yard stare by Cena into the camera because he knows he's about to lose the crowd. Up until this point, Cena has been going berserk yeah, right? Yeah. and like he's so excited and then all of a sudden out of nowhere like he looks at the camera and he's like i gotta hit the five knuckle shuffle now i'm sorry it's like a legal requirement that yeah. i have to do this <laughs> and then he goes for it and and he starts to lose the crowd sure enough the crowds the crowd starts to realize what's going to happen Cena yeah. eventually goes for the fu hunter counters with a ddt at this moment i realize is Snitsky doc gallows and then I let it go. Um, (laughs) He is not. uh, Cena finally hits an FU over the top rope on Hunter. And John Cena is the winner of the 2008 Royal Rumble, which which sets up John Cena versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania.
1: Yeah, not the most exciting Mania uh, title match, but you know. It is what it was. Uh, But this was, this turned out to be a really good rumble with a fantastic ending. Um, Definitely an all time rumble moment uh, and Cena returning and winning. But this leads us to uh, the quick story of Dominic and coin on our way out of the venue. Coin is just relentlessly giving Dominic shit because Dominic hates John Cena and he hates being called a Mark. So Dominic is super angry about it. And coin is just going at him. Like, you know, Oh, uh, Dom, you're just being a mark. You got to be happy, Cena One, And Dom's getting so visibly angry. And my, the, my favorite point is Coins takes Stolis's camera at one point and films a video of him saying, welcome to Coins' top five moments of the Royal Rumble 2008. Number one, John Cena entering the number Royal Rumble at number 30. Number two, John Cena winning the Royal Rumble from number 30. <laughs> John uh, number three, John Cena just being the greatest wrestler of all time, and Dominic <laughs> getting so angry, and me and So is just dying on Thirty Fourth Street in Manhattan. We were just laughing our asses off, and there's other like wrestling fans leaving the garden around us, cracking up too. It was so damn funny. Like the whole wh- wh- the whole drive home, Dominic was just so angry at Coin. It was hilarious um he, did he not appreciate the return or anything he he just hated john cena that much and and as much as he hated being called a mark he was 100 percent a mark
0: fair enough fair enough yeah uh so the match gets four and a quarter stars from melter it was an awesome rumble it was um, one, one of the
1: be- it, one of the better uh one of the better it lulled
0: in the middle it definitely lulled in the middle yeah uh is honestly a shorter rumble it goes 51 minutes and 33 seconds too
1: yeah, yeah, that definitely uh, worked in its favor, too. I think it, it it didn't overstay its welcome.
0: I think the big question that we have coming out of it is, seriously, who is Elijah Burke?
1: Yeah, um, and I think we shouldn't look it up either. I think we should just leave it as a mystery.
0: I absolutely agree. So, uh, honestly, awesome show. Yeah. Uh, I think it's time that we try to figure out what we're going to What we're gonna watch next? Yep. All right. This was fun, and I'm excited. I'm excited again.
1: I'm very excited. All right. So we're we're in our last uh, last minute or so of our show. So we're gonna wrap it up here with our uh, random draw for next week's episode. Uh, We have our number generator up between numbers one through eighty. We will be ignoring numbers nineteen and thirty two because those are what we've done so far. But our next week's episode will be. Oh, number 74. What? So, let's, oh,
0: this is exciting. Let, I have no idea what it is.
1: Let's go to the list. Number 74 is, oh my God. Oh. Next week, you will join Billy and Chris as they venture to Hoffman Estates, Illinois for oh, fuck yes. All In. Fuck yes. So, I think that's a good way to wrap up this week's episode. Uh, I thank you guys so much for listening. This has been a blast. Uh, and this means I get to watch all in this week for the first time, I think since attending. So I'm um, very, very excited about
0: this. I'm getting i'm I'm getting my Daryl uh plushie, <laughs> and I am going to be un. Believably stoked thank I, you all so much for listening
1: i literally got goosebumps with that pick i'm so excited about this but that is going to wrap us up for this week i thank you guys so much for listening we know a couple of our friends have reached out about listening so far and they've been enjoying it so thank you guys for listening uh until then this has been time is a squared circle my name is billy and i'm chris we'll talk to you guys next week Bye bye